I'm in a series that I'm calling His Story or History, which H-I-S capital, His Story, because all of history really is His story. In fact, we talked about how sometimes we kind of find ourselves in a Spanish telenovela. It's a really small story, right? Full of drama and heartache and, and, and all of this stuff, but the story's way too small. And when we see his story, it's epic. It's something that we want to be in. It's something we want to be a part of. Some of you this morning, life is really confusing to you right now. God is really confusing to you. There are things going on that, that just, that they seem like God doesn't care. It seems like God is not, not even anywhere around, maybe a million miles away. You kind of feel almost agnostic in the sense that he spun the world into play and then he just kind of stepped back and it's just all running on its own and he has really nothing to do with it. But that's not true. The Bible tells us something very different. Some of you, you look around and you say, God's not blessing me like that other person. His life is easy. Her life is easy. My life is so hard. I'm going to share with you something today that's going to turn that on its head. And you're going to see something totally different about life. Sometimes when I'm reading a book and it gets a little too intense for me and I'm, you know, heart beating and it's one of those thrillers, I, I, I want to turn to the back and sometimes I actually do turn to the back and make sure it turns out okay, right? Well, that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to give you a sneak peek at the end. We're going to go to the book of Revelation, the very last chapter in the Bible, chapter 22 of Revelation. You can turn there in your Bible if you want to pull out your little program. I put uh, a lot of the verses in there. They'll also be up on the big screen. We're just going to kind of walk through it because I want you to see God's perfect ending. And when you understand the end, it really changes the here and now. So let's take a look at that. John is on the island of Patmos. He's the last disciple alive. The others have all been martyred for their faith. And John is uh, getting to be an older man and he's been exiled to a little island and God gives him a, a revelation, gives him a, a peek at the future. There's a lot of things that he sees that he tries to describe and he can't understand. He talks about locusts coming up out of the pit with, with fire in their tails. And, you know, I, I begin to think maybe he's talking about he sees like Apache helicopters or something, you know, because that's what that would look like. And as they, they I saw some of the, the film of some of those things and when they shoot those tracer bullets it looks like fire coming down out of you know he how would you describe that in the first century there's a lot of things that he would see that that he doesn't know what they are he tries to describe them the best that he can in the book of revelation and a lot of people when they read the book of revelation they say is this literal is this symbolic and you know as we go through that we'll talk about that a little bit let me just start with verse 1 of chapter 22 john says then he showed me the river of the water of life, sparkling like crystal as it flowed from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of the street of the city and on either bank of the river grew the tree of life, bearing 12 fruits, a different kind for each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. So he's seeing this new Jerusalem, this heaven that that he says that we're going to be a part of. 
Is it symbolic, what he's seeing here? Is it real, what he's seeing here? I think if we kind of take earth as a clue, we see how God works. Yeah, there's some symbolism, there's no doubt about it, but it's very real. It's something that you can feel and taste and touch at the same time. A lot of us have thought that, you know, when you breathe your last and you close your eyes in death, that last breath goes out. I've been there for a lot of those as a pastor. I've seen that last breath many times. You know what? A lot of times we get this idea that it's going to be all like ephemeral, ethereal, and it's going to be kind of ghost-like in the next life, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, you just kind of this ghosty thing comes around. Now, what the Bible indicates is that you're going to breathe your last if you're a believer and you, you know Christ and you've stepped into this journey with him full out. And then the next, very next thing you're going to do is you're going to like suck in the sweetest air you've ever breathed. Your eyes are going to open and it's going to be a thousand times more real. C.S. Lewis called what we're experiencing now the shadow lands. He said it's just like, just like a shadow compared to the real thing. The real thing is so much better, so much brighter, so much bigger, and God is doing some things in these shadow lands with us, and he's got a plan that he's doing, but this isn't what it's all about. And, and, and so John sees like this river, and I think it's a literal river flowing down in, from the throne of God, and, and there's these trees on each side of the river. It's the tree of life, and he said that right in the middle of the avenue, there's all these trees of life. When was the last time we saw the tree of life? Do you remember? In the Garden of Eden, right? There was the tree of life, which was the center of the garden. And someone has said that the Bible is really about three trees. There's a tree of life that symbolized all that God wanted to do and all that he had in mind. And then there's the tree, you remember, that it talks about in the Garden of Eden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's the tree that our ancestors ate of and we died, we sinned, we fell into sin. And, and all of the things that have come from that down through the years is God had said, have dominion over this planet. And he gave it to us and he meant it. People ask me, why is there sin? Why is there heartache? Why is there evil in this world? Why is there so much bad in this world? It's because he truly gave us dominion and we've blown it down through the years, generation after generation after generation, as we've been selfish, as we thought about ourselves, as we've fallen away from God. But so they, they came to that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You remember what the devil said, Satan said to Eve? He said, has God said that you'll die if you eat of that? You won't die. He knows that you will be like God. And it's a really interesting word in Hebrew in the book of Genesis. He knows that you will become Elohim. Elohim is the word for God. Adam and Eve in their naivety, uh, they, they had uh, just called God Elohim. It just means the strong one. I mean, you think about it, to these little beings, God was the strong one. He would come and walk with them and the strong one who created everything. And that was the word Elohim. And the devil said, you'll become your own Elohim. That was only, I mean, that was partly true because they chose to be their own strong one. And they said, I will choose to be God. I will be, now he lied because they did die, which is the ultimate affront to a puny little Elohim. We're trying to be God ourselves and yet we die. 
shows that we're not the strong one who lives forever. But we fell away. And I think it's interesting that it's called the tree of the knowledge. of It's not the tree of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Bible says knowledge puffs up. And we've just seen the fruits of that as we've just continued generation after generation after generation. I was reading a blog from a university and on the grounds of most of our universities on the buildings it says you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free right you see that maybe you saw it on the buildings in your, at your university who said that Jesus but listen to what this blog says truth is simply a construct of the ruling class to keep the underclass in subjection so interesting what we've done with truth down through the years truth set us free Jesus said And we used to believe that. And then truth became like optional. There really is no, you have a truth, I have a truth. There's really not much objective truth. And now we've gotten to the place where truth is bad. Truth is something that's been created to hold people down. And what God is saying is that's just you trying to be your own Elohim. You're all puffed up. You think you know something, but really, what do you know? You don't know anything because it is There is only one Elohim. There is only one God. And we see that in the third tree, and that's the cross. As Jesus came and he said, my little sons and daughters, you've gotten so far away. And you've missed it. And you could never get back as you've tried to be your own Elohim. As you've tried to be your own strong one. And that's what some of you are suffering with right now. As you're trying to make life work and it's just not working because you're not God you're trying to control everyone around you but you're a really puny Elohim God's going that was never the plan I want you to come to me I want you to let me be your God and that's what the cross is all about as we step in to that it's so interesting That God has this amazing plan that he's working out. And we're going to see that in this chapter. Look at verse 3. Nothing that has cursed mankind shall exist any longer, says John. Cancer, Alzheimer's, all of those things that have cursed us. The throne of God and the Lamb shall be within the city. His servants shall worship him. They shall see his face. And I want to just stop there for a second. It's the essence of heaven to see his face. Paul said that I've got this really amazing ministry going. He's in jail. He knows he might be killed. He said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that if I'm killed, I get to see his face, which is so much better. I get to go be with Christ. Now, he didn't say I'm going to heaven, which is better. A lot of times we just talk about heaven, but the essence of heaven is not the streets of gold. The essence of heaven is seeing Jesus face to face, to finally behold that which, which fallen man could never behold. And Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. Now we see things imperfectly as in a poor mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God knows me now. All of those things in heaven, they will pale in consideration with being with Jesus as we see him face to face. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, how can I illustrate that? And I... I thought about how I feel about my wife. You know, a lot of times I'll go on these mission trips with you and some of them are short, like going to Nicaragua, we go just a few days, but then some of them are long, like we're going to India 
and we're going to Burundi, Africa. And it takes so long to get there that you want to stay a little while, you know, because you're pretty jet lagged. And, and you're going to make that 24 hours on the plane worth it, right? But what I've noticed is that the longer I'm away from my wife, the more I long to see her face. Now, I love that we can FaceTime now. I love that technology. And, and so I will see her face, you know, digitally on, on my phone or, or on my iPad, but it's not the same thing. And one thing I've noticed is that as the trip gets longer, I get more and more worthless because I just want to get back home to her. Now, I want to get back home to sleep in my own bed. There's things that I, I love about my Tempur-Pedic mattress, you know. But that's not the main reason. The main reason is because I just want to see her face. And when I walk through that door or she meets me at the airport, oh, wow, that moment is it, it's so incredible. And think about what that's going to be like when you actually see Jesus' face. As you catch your breath, and it's the sweetest breath of air that you've ever had. You've breathed your last here. You breathe in that air of heaven, and then you get to see the face of Jesus. I read this week about William Dyke. He was a young man. He became blind at the age of 10, but despite that handicap, he, he went on to be very successful, and he was a really witty, uh, brilliant, uh, handsome young man, and he went to England to go to, to school, and he fell in love with an English admiral's daughter. Now, he had never seen her face because he was blind, but to, to him, she was beautiful. The admiral talked him into having a, a, a new surgery that had come about that maybe would bring sight back to it. And he chose to have the surgery the week of his wedding. You say, why in the world? He said, the first thing I want to see is my bride's face on my wedding day, if you can imagine so the wedding day comes and he's got the gauze wrapped around and his father's there as his best man and the bride begins to walk down the aisle and as she comes up close, he begins to unwrap the gauze. He gets to that last circumference and he does that and William Dyke opened his eyes and he could see and he saw his bride's face and the first thing he said is, you're so much more beautiful than I could have ever imagined. I think that's just a little taste of what it's going to be like in heaven when we see Jesus' face. When we see him face to face. You know, it, it, it's going to be more than we could ever imagine. It says, we're going to see him face to face, but it goes on. And it says, and his name will be upon their foreheads. You say, that's a weird place for a name, right? What's the I think this is kind of a symbolic thing here probably. I doubt it's going to say Jesus, you know, right across the top of my head. But what he's saying is you're going to see him in the people around you. He didn't say you're going to see it on your wrist, right? That's where we like carry our Rolexes and stuff that we like to show off, you know? Or the bling on your, on your hands, on your fingers, you know? And uh, he said it's going to be on your forehead. You can't see your own forehead, can you? Try to look at some of your trying right now. I saw you. In your, see if I can see my forehead. If you can see your forehead, see me afterwards. I want to I meet you. But... We're going to have his name on our foreheads. That means we'll be looking at each other. Instead of looking, you know, like, I've got the truth, you know, check out my bling. Look what God's doing in you. Sometimes I think, wow, I'm getting so much more like Jesus. But you, you have crazy faults, right? And, and you do that with people sometimes, especially the people that are closest to you. What he's saying is, no, you're not even going to think about yourself. Have you ever been looked down on by somebody? Sometimes I have 
people that, you know, come and they want, you've got some good truth, but you've missed the truth, you know? And, and, and you can tell they're kind of looking down on you. It reminded me of when I did a wedding in Vegas one time, and, and I was in the big hotel, and, and they had a mall attached to it, and I went into the Rolex store. I used to wear a watch back then, but I, I just wanted to look around, and the lady, you know, is showing me around. I had long sleeves on, so my watch was hidden, and, and, and she said, this one's 110 thousand this one's just 240 thousand and and I'm just looking at these you know jewel encrusted Rolexes and I finally pulled mine up and I said this one's 23 Walmart and (laughs) that lady looked down on me in that moment she was not amused you know and she just kind of turned her back on me and walked off and went to the next customer I guess she knew I wasn't going to buy the 110 but you feel that way sometime in your spiritual life. You ever gone to a church like that? That's what I love about this place. Yeah, we're growing and we're changing and God's doing some amazing things, but no one's getting all caught up in that, you know? What the Bible says is that we're all family together and, and that we're a body together and we all have different things that he's gonna emphasize to different ones of us because he's got this plan. So when he emphasizes something to you, don't think he's emphasizing that same thing to everybody. He's emphasizing it to you. Don't get all caught up and say, I've got the truth and you don't understand. You know, this is all that God's about. No, God's about many things and he spreads that out among us. And that's the cool thing as we begin to understand that. I, I, I have a real hard time with people that spiritualize things, you know. You try to talk to them about something and they said, well, God showed me this. And then what, what's left, what's your option? Well, the devil and me think, you know. I mean, you can't even have a, a, a conversation about that. So I, I like to be careful and not get also like spiritualizing, you know. Let's, let's be able to talk about things. Say, here's what I have seen, and this is something that seems important to me. I think maybe God has something to show us here. You know, those kind of things. Let's don't get so cocky about it. And I think that's what it means. His name's on our forehead. We're going to be about each other, and that's what's going to matter. And we're not going to think that we've got all the truth. We're going to see that. In each other. He goes on, he says, night shall be no more. They have no need, no more need for either lamplight or sunlight, for the Lord God will shed his light upon them, and they shall reign as kings for timeless ages. You know what's amazing to me? It truly is his story. Did you get what our, he just, he just told us what we're going to do forever. But it's almost like a throwaway for John, because it's not about us. It's about him. But did you see what he said we're going to do? This is big to me. This is something we need to grab hold of this. Now, most of us, we read the book of Revelation to see what's about, you know, what, to, to figure out what we're doing, what's going to happen. I need to know. I need to, you know, make sure that everything's okay with me, right? But John, almost as a throwaway line, he says, and they shall reign as kings for timeless ages. That's what he has in mind for you. That's the whole point of what he's doing in these shadow lands right now. And you get that clue. There's a purpose. It's big. It's epic. But it kind of turns things on its head because I I remember an old man when I was a teenager came to speak at our church. And he was, most people thought he was so boring, but he changed my life. He would speak in a monotone voice, but he had been walking with Jesus for decades and decades And I remember as a young teenager, like 16, 17 years old, that that 
what he said just went right to the very core of me. He said, what God has shown me is that this life is like boot camp. That he's preparing us for something. He's preparing us to rule as kings and queens through timeless ages. And so he's got something here that he needs to, to, to work into us, to help us to be overcomers, to show us some things. It's like boot camp, and boot camp is hard. Life is going to be difficult. But the things that he allows into your life are for a purpose. It's not for no purpose. And anything, because he's so big and strong, if you're his child, if you stepped into this relationship with him and given him everything, the things that come into your life have to go through his fingers of love to get to you. He's got you. He's encircled you. But do you see how this begins to change things when you look around and say, their life is easy. God must love them more. No, maybe God's got a bigger job for you. I mean, who has it tough in boot camp? The Army Rangers, the Green Berets, the Navy SEALs. It's a whole nother level of boot camp, right? Why is this in my life right now, God? I don't understand what you're doing right now. And God, I think I've had enough. I mean, I'm kind of done with boot camp and he just looks because he can see, he lives in the future. He's not like those of us as parents sometimes, we hate for our kids to go through struggles even though in a sense we would know that if they could learn how to go through this struggle, it's gonna equip them better for adulthood, but it's still so hard because we live in this moment, right? No, he sees the future. He sees you ruling in timeless ages. And he says, little girl, I know this hurts right now, but it's gonna be so worth it. As you learn how to overcome right now, as you learn, little boy, how to overcome in this and how to step through this and how to trust my heart in the midst of it, you should see what we're gonna do together through timeless ages as you rule and reign with me. Everything's different. It sets this whole thing about how hard life is on its head. The harder it is, the bigger the job. The harder it is, the more God has for you. And that old man, he used to say, don't waste your sorrows. Don't waste them. Don't waste your tears. God's doing something in the midst of this. He's making a difference. Verse 6, and the angel said to me, these words are true and to be trusted for the Lord God who inspired the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must shortly happen. And you're going, it's been over 2,000 years. What do you mean must shortly? The word shortly in the Greek. We get our word tachometer from it. And it doesn't mean like shortly in time it's going to happen. It means once it starts happening, it's going to happen quickly. You measure acceleration with a tachometer. We don't have those in many of the cars anymore. They're almost all automatic. But you remember the old, you know, manuals and they would have the, the tack on there and it would go, and you would know when to shift and all that kind of stuff. It's measuring acceleration. And so what he's saying, three times in this chapter, he's going to say, I'm coming quickly. And you're going like, it's been 2,000 years. That's not what it means. It means once I start to move, these dominoes are going to fall into place so quickly that your head's going to spin. I'm going to come quickly. I was thinking of illustrations of that. You, you remember election day? Th- this past election day, whoever, whatever candidate you were for, I'm not talking about that. All I'm talking about is the media, you know, at noon is going like, well, Hillary's got it. You know, it's pretty much a done deal. 
And, and, and then about three, it's like, um, well, we still, you know, it's like 98%. Then somewhere about seven, they're going like, well, this is kind of different. I don't know what's going and then somewhere, you know, it just kept changing. And it was like it, was, it changed so fast from one thing to the other. And all of a sudden, Trump's president made your head spin. You remember when the Berlin Wall fell down? You remember that some years ago? Those of you who are not too young to remember that? It was like Russia is strong. We've got a Cold War going. Nothing can stop. This is like our big. And, and all of a sudden, in a moment, it seemed like, in just days, in just hours, the wall fell down and everything changed. Everything. That's what he's saying. It's going to be like that. When, that, when the prophecies begin to come into play, they're going to move so fast that your head's going to spin. I'm coming quickly. Rapid succession, dominoes falling. Verse 7, see I come quickly. Happy is the man who pays heed to the words of the prophecy in this book. Then he added, do not seal up the words of the prophecy in this book. For the time of their fulfillment is near. Let the wicked man continue his wickedness. And the filthy man, his filthiness. Let the good man continue his good deeds and the holy man continue in holiness. What is he saying there? I think he's talking about a point of no return. What he's saying in all of our lives, there comes this point of no return. There there comes this point where we've chosen. See, man doesn't sin because he doesn't know better. Man sins because he wants to. That's what the Bible says. We choose to. And there will come a point with all of us The only thing that can break us out of that is his Holy Spirit. And there will come a point when the Holy Spirit says, I've worked with you, I've worked with you, I've worked with you. All right, you can choose your own way. See, some people talk about how could God send anyone to hell? He doesn't send anyone to hell. People have to choose to go there. They choose. They choose to reject what he's done. For them, And so we, we see that, and that's a lot of what it's talking about. Even this book of Revelation and all that it's saying that's going to happen and what it's going to be about, it's not going to change people's mind. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. The other thing is, you're not God, so you can't do it. You know, you've, you're trying to control someone's mindset. You can't do it. You've got to pull back from that. You can't control your kid's mindset and what they think and what they believe and what they're going to choose but you can pull back and get on your knees and pray for them and ask the Holy Spirit to do that verse 12 see I'm come, I come quickly again I carry my reward with me and repay every man according to his deeds why according to his deeds because we know it's by faith alone that you trust Christ but he says all through the scripture but your deeds demonstrate it you don't get salvation by good deeds it's not if your good outweighs your bad you have to step in humbly into this relationship with Jesus that he did everything already we talked about that at Easter he did it all on the cross but as we accept that you know what's going to flow out of that good deeds I've seen that with you you stepped into this relationship some of you were so far from God and now you're making a difference in the lives of people all around the globe that you don't even know People that are under-resourced and little children that have been in sex trafficking. And, and, you know, it's uh, it's just amazing what you're doing. He goes on. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning 
and the end. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the Z of the, of the Greek alphabet. But he's not talking about the alphabet. He's saying, I'm the beginning. You see, God was never not here. And I don't think our little finite pea brains can grab hold of that. I, I, I can kind of imagine forever out in the future, but to try to imagine forever in the past, how could that be? I mean, how could we be here now? I, I, I can't grab it. But there was before God, well, there was never a before God. He was always there. And, and it wasn't that some things created God at some point in, the time, in time and he became this being. He always was and everything that is flows out of him. He says, I'm alpha. But then he also says, I'm omega. It's all going to flow back into me. Because you see, it's my story. That's why we call it history. What's so cool about this? When he gives that throwaway line, and you shall reign as kings and queens forever and ever. It's like we get a front row seat to his story. That's what's been so cool about community of faith. Do you think Laura and I have done this? We haven't done this. This is not from us. We could never dream this up, what God's done here. God has done it all. And that's why our staff meetings on Tuesday, you can ask our staff members. All it is, is just prayer meetings. We're not sitting around going, well, the grand strategy, because we're so brilliant, we're falling on our face and going, God, you've got to do this next thing. I don't know what's going to, I mean, this is way beyond us. You need to do this. And we're asking you to do it. And we're looking to you to do it. And then he does it. Some guy came to me not long ago and he said, when y'all first built out here, you know, where we built, out in the middle of the cow pasture, I said, this guy is either a genius or an idiot. And I asked him what he thought now. He said, jury's still out. <laughs> but I look like a genius, don't I? I had no idea 99 was coming through here. You know, you thought I did, didn't you? Up till this point right now, you thought he knew 99. was. We're the first exit west of 99. You know who knew that? God. And so he said, I'm going to make Mark look brilliant and put it right out here. That's God. That's what he does. He's always moving behind the scenes. If we're, we get a front row seat to him, 99's coming through and I'm going like, go God. Look at that. Oh my goodness, God, you know, you and text dot working together. That's like a miracle. <laughs> now can you give us some more space to get out of church, you know? We need to pray for that one next, right? But it's like God doing these crazy things. He's alpha, he's omega, and we get a front row seat to all of that. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. I am both the root and stock of David and the bright star of the morning. The morning star is Venus. We don't really see it very well. I mean, you still see it because it's so bright when it's right next to the moon, you know, and Venus comes out to play. But if you're out in the middle of nowhere, it actually casts a shadow. And it comes out as bright as it's getting close to dawn and they called it the star of the morning because you would still see it when the other stars had begun to, to fade and you knew morning is coming. Night can be tough sometimes. Night, have you ever been sick? Throwing up in the night? That's a long night. And you look forward to morning, right? And that's kind of what he's saying. Hope, it's coming. 
It might seem like it's forever, but it's not. It's coming. I am the star of the morning. Isaiah said, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Do you feel like you're in deep darkness right now? Our world is. I feel it. Don't you? It's kind of a scary place right now. God's still got control. He still knows what he's doing. I have the sense that we're going to start to see really soon these dominoes begin to fall. And it's going to make our heads spin. You ready? Coming quickly. Verse 17, and I'll close out. The spirit and the bride say come. You know who the bride is? It's you, the church. Talks about that through scripture. And finally we see that God had this plan all along that he started with Adam and Eve and they fell. And then he picked up Abraham and it wasn't by accident. He did it on purpose and he said, I'll make a great nation of you. And the Jewish people were his chosen ones. But that was not the ultimate from the Jewish people as he brought Jesus, the Messiah. He said, I'm opening this up to everyone that steps into this relationship with me. And I'm creating the church. And we live in the church age right now. And he says, there's so much power that I've put in you. And I'm teaching you to rule and reign, mostly through prayer. Because I want the spirit and the bride to speak together. Rarely will anyone ever come into relationship with God that doesn't have anyone praying for them. In fact, I'm not sure it ever happens. I think we're going to find in heaven that there was always somebody. It's not just the spirit saying come. Now he says, I want to work with you because I'm teaching you something. I want to teach you to rule and reign. I want to teach you to bring God's kingdom to bear. So the spirit and the bride say, come kingdom of God upon this earth. In Burundi, among the Batwa, that the people say are not even human. They call them the dog people. And yet you've made a difference. You've brought kingdom to bear upon them and their children. And it's amazing to see what's happening. The little girls pulled out of sex trafficking in North India. I just saw the pictures of three of them, three little ones that their aunt was getting ready to traffic. And we talked her into giving them to us. I mean, she just gave them to us. And we're going to raise them up in our boarding school. And we're going to teach them how much God loves them. We're going to teach them a trade. Kingdom coming to bear. Come, kingdom of God. That came from the spirit. It was always his desire he loves the little ones he's always pulling them to himself but the bride that's us also said come to those three little girls come that's what God does let everyone who hears this also say come let the thirsty man come let everyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift other versions say freely it's free He who is witness to all this, that's John, he says, or Jesus says, yes, I'm coming very quickly. And John speaks back, amen, so be it, come, Lord Jesus. Close your eyes with me. All right, that's the end. That's how it works. In the midst of our little telenovela and the drama We've forgotten that, the epic story that we're supposed to be a part of. Maybe right now life is super confusing to you. God, I don't understand this in my life. 
Seriously, God, are you kidding? You know I can't handle this. And he said, I know you can't. Get on your knees, little girl. I'm teaching you how to rule and reign. You're going to step into ruling and reigning on your knees. You're going to be the servant of all. Little boy, I got you. In the midst of this, I know what the doctors say. I know what the world says. I know what's going on in your finances. I see your relationships. God, why did you give me these parents? This is so dysfunctional. Yeah, I know, little one, you've got a lot to overcome. But it's not by accident. I've got a grand plan for you, girl. I've got a grand plan for you, son. It's bigger than you can even imagine. And right now, right now, I want you to join with me in prayer. I want you to join with me on your knees. I want the Spirit and you, my bride, the church, to say, come to bear kingdom of God upon this prodigal planet. Be done, will of God, in the lives of my children and my co-workers and my friends. As you ask, you're not Elohim. You're not the strong one. Quit trying to control them. Not going to work. Just be on your knees with me and watch me. You get a front row seat for all of eternity. And you will rule and reign through timeless ages. Father, your heart is good toward us. Some of us this morning, we need to step into that journey with you. We've never given you everything. We've never trusted what you've done on the cross for us. We've been trying to do it ourselves, to be our own Elohim. And we're puny and we're pitiful, God. And we give that up and we let you be God right now. Jesus, you come into our lives. Jesus, you transform us. Jesus, you make us new on the inside. We don't understand it all, but we receive what you did for us on the cross. As best we know how. And that's good enough for you. And we give you our puny lives and we step into your epic story so we can have a front row seat to it some of us we've known you for a while but we're still trying to be God we're still trying to control it we've forgotten the epic story and we've started living our little telenovela drama God forgive us remind us and all of us together We do say, come quickly. Come quickly. Look back up here for just a minute. As you've kind of shut the world out, just you and God, I want you to do one other thing. I was reading a book the other day by a Christian leader, and he says one of the ways that he deals with his stress, he has a mantra that he says. He gets alone with God. And he just says over and over, Maranatha. You know what Maranatha means in Greek? It's come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. And he says, he just says it over and over. And as he does that, peace begins to come. He said, I'll just kind of break it up in syllables even. Maranatha. 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 Come Lord Jesus. You can say it in English. Or in Greek, but this week I want that to be your mantra. I want you to spend a few minutes every day just in quietness. Maranatha. Push everything else out of your mind, only the thoughts of Jesus, what it means to rule and reign with Him. 
to say, come Lord Jesus. Come to this situation. Be God here. Now. That's what Jesus said. Come kingdom of God. Right here, right now. Be done will of God. Right here, right now. That's your right as the bride to ask for that.